Hi everyone, this is Rob here, coming to you from the PraxisCast editing bunker in the highlands of New Zealand. Unfortunately, due to some technical difficulties, we won't be able to give you our full feature presentation as usual. One of us has had some unfixable microphone issues, so this week's episode is shorter than usual. Mind you, it still clocks in at about 40 minutes, so... Anyway, we owe you a very good story that we will revisit soon, uh, probably on the next episode. Cheers, and see you again soon. Bye! Welcome to Podcasting's Praxis. I'm David, and this week I am here with Rob. Hello. Alistair. Yo, how's it going? James. Hello. And Jamie. Yeah, right. You're back. Are you well? Well, not really, no, but... No. It seems to be, it seems to be slightly less shit than it was last time, so... <laughs> you woke up from your coma, but discovered you were still in Britain. Well, yeah, that, yeah. Should we arrange for delivery of the gallons of water to your address now, or do you feel like you're on the up like, <laughs> for it? Send them now. Or is it more, more of a dry fish day? Oh, don't start with the dry fish, man. I'm not, I'm not well enough to contemplate the fucking dry fish. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, they got rid of Trump for speaking the truth about dry fish. That's the real story for all of us. Fully believe it. Right, okay. Um, so, another another week in... Hell? Paradise. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think of something better than just hell, but yeah, straight hell will have to do, won't it? Um, so, Rob, you have been scouring the, um, scouring the discourse... Uh, before we before we get before we get started, I wanted I wanted to say a couple of things. I wanted first to say thanks to everyone who like chipped in with donations earlier today for me, um, because like you know, the pandemic's just fucking murdered me. So thank you all. And um, secondly, on the subject of, of Scott Paul, I'd like to say turfs get in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, we've put one turf in the bin so far. Um, hopefully, well, no, no, we no. One turf is currently sat on the bin. Yeah, that's true. That's a fair point. That woman that put the cat in the bin is the hero we need. Right <laughs> <laughs> if only she would use her powers for good, then yeah. we would be fine. That sounded like a plane. I've got a fucking plane I'm... flying over. <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah. I was just, I was just gonna say it'd be Johnny Gatwick over there. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> turfs about to abseil in through David's window and call him a misogynist. I just like to imagine we're talking, we're talking about the turfs, and just David hears the helicopter blades outside, <laughs> yeah. just coming closer. <laughs> Rapid gender critical assault team descends, and they're all waving that fucking picture of that uh, anime girl with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, first thing I wanted to briefly mention was, I don't know, I, I have a subscription to the FT, I'm not sure other people do 
I think they're the only real paper. I mean, left. presumably no. some, no. presumably some people do. I don't. I doubt you're the single-handedly keeping the FT afloat. <laughs> That'd be terrifying. Um, anyway, they did a huge like puff piece on like Boris and the Green Revolution about whole, all the new green jobs and green zero carbon bullshit that Tories would do after Corona. You should, uh, you should get them to do a huge puff piece on you, or you'll cancel their only subscription. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would buy that. I would buy that so hard. You just got Rob staring at you, bewildered and terrified. <laughs> From above the folds, just wearing, wearing a paper crown. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, f- immediately following that, I think on the same day there was a different piece in the Guardian, essentially saying that the UK's green revolution is yet another Tory scam. Would it surprise you to know? See, I am so. absolutely <laughs> fucking shocked to my literal core. Now, I, I've been, on, I've been, I've been on the podcast for like nearly two months now, and uh, are you trying to tell me that this government has scammed people in the intervening period? I find that very difficult to believe. Yeah, I know, I know. Guys, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to drop off the pod. Uh, I know it's short notice, but we, we and the Greens were busy wrapping everything up and putting it away, and I'm just going to have to warn them <laughs> that no, we need to s- stop, stop. We, our work isn't done. <laughs> uh, it turns out the Tories haven't finished it all for us. God damn. Yeah. Um, so anyway, this... huge F true. <laughs> so anyway, this is about a two billion uh, quid scheme to install solar panels in six hundred thousand private homes. But those who signed up for said uh, solar panels and the d- d- government discount have been waiting for months. Suppliers haven't been paid, and essentially everything's falling to fucking pieces. Uh, naturally, because this is the Tories, you could get 5,000 quid back if you were a renter, but 10,000 if you were a homeowner in benefits. So, how would you get uh-huh. money back if you're? How would you get money back if you're a renter? Uh, you would pay for the installation yourself and uh, landlord, yeah. presumably. Oh my god! Fucking! Can you think of anything more ludicrous? <laughs> Paying for a solar panel installation on your rented accommodation, which you might not even be in by the time it gets fucking installed. Well, the article. Lord. The article mentioned that members of the public could get five k back, and landlords could get ten. So I'm assuming that's renters, but maybe like. They're just going to fucking strap them to your forehead. <laughs> yeah, or just like random people just want to pay to have you have uh, solar panels on your roof or something. I don't know. I imagine. When they finally, like, do you know what I mean? They finally traced all the money that's gone into, like, just big bags of coke for, for toffs. <laughs> and they they make them put finally put solar panels on people's houses. All the money all the money's going to buy, like, is they just get some Kit Kats and take the paper off. So it's just the tinfoil. <laughs> <laughs> the melting chocolate runs down and turns a tiny motor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, the reason why this whole scheme has fallen apart, apart from that it's the Tories, um, is that <laughs> apart from everything about it, apart from all of the sing- all of the contributing factors in implementing this scheme, I'm sure you- there's going to be one particular detail that's going to elucidate how this has all fallen apart. Yeah, the the main reason is the management of this two billion quid scheme uh, was, of course, not done in house by the Department of Energy, Business and something rather. It was outsourced to a company called ICF Strategic Consulting, which was conveniently uh, based for all the subcontractors in Virginia in the United States. That is strategic as fuck. <laughs> yeah, I, I love a good like free letter acronym starting strategic solutions consultancy kind of. It's very it's a strong it's a strong vibe. Like, yeah, you, you know? just you just know those motherfuckers promote synergy. Yeah. It's also like yeah. they're fucking firing intercontinental <laughs> ballistic solar panels across the Atlantic. Like what the fuck? <laughs> 
hey, do you know what would improve the green status of energy production in the United Kingdom? Getting someone from a different fucking continent to do yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Like, superb joined up thinking. Well, they're not, they're not, it must be stressed, they're not actually doing anything, they're just overseeing the scheme. <laughs> they're just eating the money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're just siphoning off a huge amount of the money and then yeah. subco- subcontracting the actual work they're meant to do to a subcontractor who will exactly. subcontract it to the nth degree until one guy in, like, Dartford has to just install a hundred thousand solar panels in a year. Yeah, I mean that is what consultancies are. So what what has happened is is two things. The first is, uh, Alistair, exactly as you say, the subcontractors seeing this scheme and being actually quite excited about this had like hired staff, uh, bought in extra solar panels, uh, uh, filled like I don't know, like a call center to answer calls from consumers, etc. But the administration is such a mess that like none of the subcontractors have been paid for their work yet, so they're all going bust and letting a lot of people go. And this is of course helped by the fact that you can only call ICF Strategic Consulting when it's daytime in Virginia, which means that you. Can- <laughs> Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing, superb! Oh. And you have to ask, you have to give a secret passphrase on a given date in order to actually get through the fucking automated machine or some shit. Yeah, I mean, as as much as much of a like a, a desolate hellscape as the UK is, we like no one does fucking grift like the Americans. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I was gonna say like the one like at least the Americans have like not done the extremely hilarious thing that the UK government has done with, like, just subcontracting all of, like, the armed forces shit out. They still do some of that shit themselves, you know? They've at least uh, got that capacity. um, Did you see that thing uh, someone brought up this week? The CAIR in America? Mm, um, That rings a bell. It's it's some uh, thing that's supposed to help addicts and alcoholics. Oh yeah, and yeah, I did the, see that. Yeah, the courts can like sentence people to like treatment there, and the treatment is working forty hours a week in a chicken processing plant. Jesus Christ, amazing <laughs> for for no pay. Um, so all the all the agricultural companies that like run the processing plants are firing their actual staff in favor of using these like this slave labor, and the the, the money goes all goes directly to the company. Like, none of it goes to the people. And they have to sign a thing, you know, the usual bullshit. Or they're not an employee, they're actually a ghost that haunts the place. <laughs> so they can't have they can't have workers' comp. So when they, like, lose a hand to the, the chicken conveyor or some shit, they just have to fuck off home and have one hand. But the, uh, the like, CAIR, they file a workers' comp claim and keep the money. Old MacDonald had a farm, C-A-E-I-R, and on that farm he fired his workers, and so on and so forth. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that tracks. Like, I was, I was joking, but... If, if, if you lose your hand, maybe you look at, you know, your stump and say, well, I'm never drinking again. No, like you're, you're getting it wrong, Rob. I mean, clearly if you lose the hand, then, you, you know, it doesn't matter if you lose the arm from, like, collapsing your veins, so it's actually the other incentive. Yeah. Um, speak, speaking of incentives, uh, James, I know this is a story you were very happy with. Um, the Oxford University was going to essentially give the patent and stuff to the uh, corona vaccine uh, open source to everybody who wanted them. But then the Bill Gates Foundation got involved and all of a sudden that wasn't going to happen anymore. There's just <laughs> no limit to how much of a cunt Bill Gates is prepared to be, is there? From the bottom just his of entire my life, he's just been dedicated to being like maximum cunt. 
from the depths of my soul, with every fibre of my being, fuck Bill Gates. And fuck Melinda Gates too. Her name's on the foundation. Fuck her too. Yeah. Like, for anyone who doesn't know the scam in all of this, then you should listen to the podcast um, Behind the Bastards, uh, where they talk a little bit about how oligarchs use their foundations to basically advance their agendas whilst also doing PR reform. And then you should also listen to a, pod- a podcast called Grubstakers, which is a podcast about billionaires, the thesis for which is that there's no good billionaire. And their episodes on Bill Gates touch on his foundation. Because like it would take too long to explain all the ways in which it's a total fucking... Like, calling it a scam doesn't really do it justice. It really is just, okay, we'll put all of our money into this fund and we'll do a bunch of PR shit while we actually use it to do some of the most atrociously fucking evil stuff you can possibly imagine, particularly with regard to American education. So, fuck. So would you like to hear some of the particulars of this little tale? I mean, not really, but you're going to inflict it on us anyway, so let's go. Pretty much, as I said, Oxford was essentially going to donate the IP rights to any credible manufacturer so they could just, like, Poor countries, everybody, developing countries could have it. We wouldn't have a monopoly on a, on a vaccine of some variety. It would just essentially be free. Uh, if you recall, Jonas Salk famously said when he gave away his patent of the polio vaccine, when asked, why did you do that? You could have made a ton of money. Uh, he literally said, could you patent the sun? Towards Bill, to, which, to which Bill Gates said, uh, yes. Uh, so they were going to do that. But then uh, they were urged by Bill Gates to reverse course And this is a transcript where he was on a call with some reporters where he said, we went to Oxford University and said, hey, you're doing brilliant work, but you really need to to team up. (laughs) I love love to team up. I love to work in a team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Synergy. (laughs) Working towards towards mutual goal. Um, Yeah. So essentially the way this works is like the Gates Foundation itself donates a whole bunch of money to pretty much most of the global health initiatives. If not, they are the only funder. Um, so they have a huge say in what goes. And this is Gates's remarks were laundered through one of these foundations that his foundation supports. Um, so in the meantime, AstraZeneca, which was the chosen commercial partner of Oxford University, their CEO said, I think intellectual property rights or exclusive patents are a fundamental part of our industry. And if you don't protect IP, then essentially there is no incentive for anybody to innovate. Ah. yeah now here's the thing what he's right because what possible fucking incentive would there be during a global pandemic to innovate and come up with a vaccine for that global pandemic what possible fucking incentive could there be i mean if it wasn't money to be made there'd be no reason at all to do it would there would there motherfuckers well see he says he says like you know um there'd be no reason to innovate but I, personally, I'm going to invent a laser guillotine. That. <laughs> I mean, there is a reason uh, to innovate for the CEO, Pascal Sorio. Since the start of the corona crisis, he has seen his personal stock and options of an AstraZeneca go up 50 million US dollar. So well done him. Oh, that's nice. I'm glad, I'm glad it's worked out all right for him. Right. Well, I'm, make, I'm, making, I'm making a declaration now um, that he has to give that to me. <laughs> Hand it over. I mean, unironically, Jamie would be a better vehicle for that 15 million to fund innovation and development and whatever the fuck. Because for a start, Jamie would fucking spend it on things like living and, you know, maybe he'd actually do something creative with it, like 
I don't know, create a podcast. Maybe he'll draw a painting. Maybe, I don't know, Jamie would might actually do something with that money rather yeah. than sitting on it like a fucking dragon. Oh, yeah. Re- R and, R&D on the laser guillotine. <laughs> uh, I mean, that, I, I can think of at least a few kind of, you know, physicists who are out of work could be willing to work on that. Um, also, just for record, please watch SK the Crusader on Twitch. But yeah, like, I don't know, any one of us on this podcast... If you gave us fifty million, it would be a better use of that money than giving it to those evil yeah, old fucks. Absolutely. Genuinely. Because even like, okay, you, you give it to Jamie and say, Jamie, do healthcare stuff with it. I'm gonna go out on a limb here, Jamie, and say that you would probably go, Oh, I don't know what I should do. I should probably go talk to some like healthcare charities and like, you know, talk to some people who've got experience in this and like uh see what actually needs to be done. Like you'd you'd have the I imagine you'd have the kind of I don't know inquisitive curiosity and compassion for your fellow man to ask a question what is to be done. I mean, you can always count on the fact that all I know is that I know nothing. Yeah, right. Whereas these fucks, you give it to them, don't even ask a question, not the slightest bit of fucking interest. Don't care. No, you should spend it on a machine that makes everyone's like everyone drink the blood of teenagers and then they live forever or some <laughs> shit. That's what they would do with it. No, that, that, Jamie, that's where you're wrong because they've already done that. Yeah. Or, the, or, they, or you have to just build, like, the next year's giant wooden owl so Bohemian Grove has something else to... You have to invent invent a tree that Elon Musk can patent. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that is where it's headed. Uh, yeah, damn. I mean, that... Yeah, it's 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 really weird to... Oh, it's not weird at all, actually, because, you know, capitalism, but the idea that you can... Uh, the only sort of incentive of actually stopping climate change is if you could, you know, patent the tree that does the exact fucking job that we just keep dancing around the bush of actually trying to do, you know? Yeah, on the off chance on the off chance that Elon Musk like ever hears this, I just want to say give me my give me your money, you sloppy bitch, or I'm going to walk to Mars before you and claim it for myself. Well, speaking of sloppy people with uh, too much money, Folk, UK Folk has made time for another important uh, corona story, the Duchess of Cambridge. She's done a short interview where she says she can really relate to parents who struggle with balancing life and homeschooling young kids. Get absolutely (laughs) fucked. (laughs) Jesus, wet. Oh, I live in a fucking palace, but I can completely relate to, like, modern parenting. Oh, what's it like? What's it like when your butler turns up late? (laughs) Well, that's the thing, Jamie. Like, you know, they do have the same problem. Like, you might not know where your next dinner's coming from, but she doesn't know either. It could be the butler brings it. Maybe the butler's not feeling well and the footman has to bring it. She doesn't know where her next meal's coming from. And that weighs on her. I'll tell you you a problem they're all going to have. Fucking laser guillotines. (laughs) (laughs) James, can I ask you a question? Could you just draw the distinction between a butler and a footman for me? Because I'm currently drawing a blank. One of them, one of them walks around like in in like a weird jacket and is called like fucking Jeeves or some shit, and the other one's Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that's it. He's got it exactly right. Uh, uh, anyway, so oh. Kate, Kate and William, whose eldest children. Sorry, Rob. I need a fucking minute from holding that. <laughs> <laughs> Class, glad to have you back, Jamie. Right, sorry. (coughs) Kate and William, whose eldest children, Prince George and Princess Charlotte, are doing their lessons at home, are juggling to help their children with schoolwork with their remote royal duties. I don't see how juggling would help that, to be honest. I mean, it's probably probably one of the, like, part of their weird medieval curriculum. Do you know what I mean? Getting in touch with the jester. (laughs) 
Whatever happened to jesters? I feel like I feel like it would add um, it would add valuable jobs to the economy, especially in in COVID. L- look around. <laughs> I'd I'd be I'd be set for fucking life. Like, do you know what I mean? If jesters were still a thing, <laughs> we, we are. Let, let's be honest. We are gig economy jesters. That's what That's we true. do. We are jesters. <laughs> yeah, but it, 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 we could only be. Uh, yeah, we're not actual jesters. jesters. We're, we're technically jester consultants. <laughs> it has to be jester, but with just one e. <laughs> Yeah, no, we're 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 self-employed jesters. <laughs> like we we are contracted to do this essentially. <laughs> That's how it works. We're liable for our own tax. Sorry, I can see the fucking logo for jester. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's incredible. And we make it, and it ends up taking off like gangbusters because it keeps getting mistaken for the motley fool. <laughs> But anyway, there's there's more good news because when Prince George and Princess Charlotte grow up and they inevitably end up at either Oxford or Cambridge, um, they'll be doing very well with their future lizards in the terrarium. There was a vote last week. Uh, there was a, one of the, another one of these pointless debates with the uh, Cambridge Union, which is where two toffs argue both sides. Oh, is this where they they like made a statement that like coronavirus wasn't real or some shit like that yeah they voted in favor of a motion saying this house believes lockdown is a mistake right well i am in favor of a motion that says fuck that house i don't give a shit <laughs> right if they want me to if they want me to give like two fucks about their opinion they can come around here and say it to my face <laughs> you're gonna let them do that for free jamie you should be charging really i need test it's- subjects for the laser guillotine <laughs> <laughs> Like, part of the issue is, I guarantee you, I guarantee you that some of those fucking dipshits in that audience, because it's a debating, like, society, all right, mm-hmm. is what we do. It's, it's about the art of a debate, dear. Fucking debate wankers, Jesus. Oh, do you know what it is? I, 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 I'm going to break out in hives at the mention of debate. Just people on fucking Twitter, just, do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I've studied in the in the marketplace of ideas. <laughs> well, fuck, well, fuck you. This is the octagon of posts. So get, like, get the fuck out. <laughs> They do, though. It's like, they, they genuinely, there'll be some in the audience who'll be like, well, of course, it's actually, I, I mean, I personally didn't believe, but, um, you know, the person making the case against lockdown just was had a far better grasp of rhetoric, and the pathos as they delivered it was so much better, and I'm afraid we really just have to give the win to them, yes. Like, and that that right there is, an, is a, as a microcosm of everything. If, if, if I remember, class. and I can't remember if this mm. is, like, still a thing, but I definitely know it used, used to be a thing that the... The opposing sides in these debates in Oxford or Cambridge or both uh, used to have to dress up in white tie, so like the long white, long black coats and like mm-hmm. an actual white bow tie to, for, for the actual debate. I'm pretty I, sure. Do you know what it is? I, I I absolutely knew nothing about like how like actual debates at Oxford take place, but it, it like absolutely fucking unsurprising to me that they wear fucking bow ties while they're doing it. It's um, of course they do. Like, do you know what I mean? It's. It's genuinely, it's practice for two things. It's practice for standing in the House of Commons, yeah, essentially. Absolutely. And it's practice for standing in court. That's what this is really all about. <laughs> as a defendant, <laughs> ideally. Well, and sadly not, no, as a QC, which explains to you why all the QCs on Twitter are incredibly fucking yeah. normal. I wanted to bring some good news, because like, it's kind of rare that we do that, but um, I wanted to bring some good news from, from the Hell Island. Uh, I don't know if. All right, looking at you very skeptically yeah, yeah, here, no. Rob. Yeah, I don't. I don't believe. I don't believe this for a fucking second. If you remember the, uh, there was a, is a was an ongoing court case of the Stansted Fifteen. They were a group of non-violent human rights activists, and they stopped. Oh right, yeah, okay. You, you proved us wrong. This is actually good news. They they mm-hmm. stopped some of the deportation flights uh, from Stansted Airport. Can you imagine the concept of a violent human rights activist group? Like. <laughs> 
just the idea of people like coming around with a bunch of clubs and clapping like employers over the head. Yeah, they're called revolutionary communists, Alistair. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can, I, I can easily, I can easily imagine the fuck out of that, quite frankly. Yeah, like, <laughs> uh, yeah but um, I think they'd, I think they'd make a lot more progress. I'm saying, right? I'm pretty sure they were called the Khmer Rouge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, David, love you, brilliant, thank you. <laughs> I was just thinking, David's been a bit quiet this episode so far, and then you hit out with that. David was escorting intellectuals to the countryside, so he was a bit busy. <laughs> All right, great. Did anyone, anyone ever see that like uh, that classic Viz strip, The Adventures of Pol Pot and Idi Amin? <laughs> no, no. Where they live next door, they live next door to each other in like a classic Beano setup, and the wives are going out for the evening and tell them they're absolutely not to murder any bishops or intellectuals. Gone. <laughs> Fuck! I fucking love the Viz. Do you know what I mean? It's just the, the greatest British institution, quite frankly. It, and that that is a fact that is a fact I knew about you without knowing it about yes. you Jamie I can't <laughs> that, was, that just felt emotionally true <laughs> yeah <laughs> see also their classic strip Harold and Fred they make ladies dead <laughs> oh god <laughs> okay uh, public service announcement for you dear listener obviously we don't find these horrific things themselves to be actually funny the humour is in the hyperbole and in disconnect between them and like the triviality with which they're taken that's what makes this funny and it is it is a shame to have to break character to explain this to you much like Stuart Lee but unlike the melt Stuart Lee genuinely genuinely this will save us a twitter conversation so <laughs> yeah because the last thing the last thing we want is like some some fucking twat and a bow tie coming up. Perhaps you have slandered me by calling me a dog nonce, good sir. <laughs> that that was an ad hominem. This house believes that wizard cubes should be banned off Twitter. So anyway, the stance at 15 were originally charged under terrorism-related charges, which I thought was pretty spe- spectacular, uh, but then received suspended sentences or community orders um, because the judge said... They shouldn't be imprisoned because they had genuine reasons for stopping a deportation flight. Fair enough. But now on appeal, uh, those suspended convictions were also overturned. So they are now free and clear. So I think that is genuinely something to be uh, to be very happy about. That's good. News. I, th- um, I saw yes. I saw something the other day that sort of said that pretty much the only reason they were able to get the appeal was oh it was because uh, it was like you can't just convict people charge people with terrorism for doing things you don't like near a near an airport yeah not yet uh, yeah not well yet. as much as they'd like to you see that thing this week where the um, guy was taking photographs of the protests outside that barracks where they're oh, yeah. holding the immigrants and the the police like fucking just like stormed his flat and stole his camera or the sim card from his camera or whatever Sadly enough, this leads us into the next story, which is about the uh, barracks fire. We we hate most of the papers correctly, but I want to give some credit to like reporters doing good stories from now on a bit more. So credit to this story goes to Mary Bullman, May Bullman at the Independent. Uh, the Home Office put the, those refugees in those barracks after fears that better housing conditions would undermine confidence in the in the immigration system. Yeah. Uh, internal government documents revealed justifying placing asylum seekers in dilapidated military camps because more generous housing uh, would damage public perception of the immigration system. Sorry, I, I think I, I, I might have just... 
I think I've just disassociated into the fugue state there. Did you just say that we are concentrating asylum seekers in camps? Yes, Am I with, hearing with, that right? with barbed wire and guards, yes. Yeah, but we don't call them camps, so it's all it's all above board. Actually, um, actually, these these are often referred to as camps, <laughs> like the places themselves prior even to the immigrants being put in them. They are camps. No, it's a barracks. It's a barracks, and it's ins- it's insulting. It's insulting to suggest that they're anything other than five star accommodation because it was good enough for our boys. Yeah, um, I, I, I'll, I'll jump in again. They're fucking horrible. <laughs> They are absolutely god awful pieces of shit accommodation. You sound yeah. You, I was gonna say you sound like you've had a lot of experience with this kind of accommodation. Now let me just throw a little wild card in there. What if you couldn't leave and also like half of the people in there had coronavirus? Would that make it substantively worse? Do you think? Um. Well, there was one year where um, you know, I was a cadet, so I couldn't leave. And we were stuck in there for two weeks, and the norovirus broke out, and about sixty percent of the entire battalion were shitting their guts out before they went. We're going to need to send you home now. So, yeah, so, it was pretty sorry, bad then. Alistair. Did you just leave that in real time? <laughs> did you just did you just you did you just rewrite David's own history to give us a perfect example for this news topic? Did you do that? Is that a thing that just occurred? Why do you think I come on so infrequently? I don't want to make. I don't want to. Unleash powers that I don't know what they're capable of. <laughs> it's it's reverse use of the leave this. That's what it is. Oh Jesus! Oh Jesus! Yeah, no, that that happened and it was great. <laughs> so, David, did you end up shitting your guts out? I did not know because I was not one of the manky bastards for C Company. <laughs> <laughs> All right, glad we established that. Cool. Yeah. So, um, and in round two of a brief section that I like to call We Are Governed by Monsters. Uh, This is a story from Dan Sabah at The Guardian. A government lawyer has told an open court that MI5 officers can and could authorize murder under current powers. These powers already (laughs) exist. Oh, I mean, it's just not surprising at all, is it? I mean, it, it feels like just day after day, some horrific, horrendous news comes out about you know, uh, we're putting refugees in concentration camps uh, because it would look bad if they weren't in con- weren't in concentration camps. Or, uh, yeah, the government can just kill you, fuck you. And I'm just not surprised. I it's just I'd love the I love the fact that like if you go back to the 90s and if you said, do you know MI5 has a power to just order the murder of anyone in the UK? They'd be like, what? No, no, don't be a fucking, don't be ridiculous. Just absolutely not, you lunatic communist kind of thing. That is the kind of reply you get. And yet here we are today and it's just being blasé, you know, announced in court just in passing in a fucking footnote, Uh, essentially. Well, actually, actually, this power has existed since the 1989 Security Service Act, as well as the royal prerogative that essentially essentially allowed uh, government intelligence agencies before the Securities Act to do it. So they've always had this power. I genuinely, right, I'm going to just fucking nail my conspiracy theory to the mast here. I think the security services killed Robin Cook. And, uh, like, it, it would not surprise me if, like, 30 years from now, that maybe finally comes out when all the people who could potentially be held accountable for it are killed stone cold dead in the ground by whatever fucking apocalypse what, we've got coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, it's con- very convenient to sweep everything under the rug of so, like uh, inevitable climate disaster. So, so this story is like relevant for two reasons. Well, three reasons. Obviously, the the revelation that the government can kill you if it 
deems you to be quote unquote an extremely hostile individual. Uh, that's... Ah, the DWP's at it again, I see. <laughs> <laughs> um, for the second reason is there's still many ongoing court cases, even though the inquiry was quietly dropped a while ago into the death of Pat Finucare, the Irish lawyer who was quite probably, though allegedly, shot by Ulster militants on order or on information of the UK security services because he was legal counsel for a bunch of Sinn Féin IRA people. And the third reason, which is the one that I want to bring it up again, because this uh, we've talked about it on previous episodes, I want to bring it back up again. The uh, Spy Corps bill um, is still on its is in parliamentary process. And a few hours after this admission that the government could already legally kill people, all but one of the Lord's amendments that has essentially would have put some safeguards into the Spy Corps bill, uh, safeguards such as um, outlawing the authorization of murder and sexual offenses and torture, granting persons injured by authorized criminal conduct the right to seek compensation, and limits on crim- criminal conduct authorizations being granted to children and vulnerable sources. All those amendments put forward by the Lords were rejected by the House of Commons. So the House of Commons is pretty cool. We we we, we, we have like sorry, I'm it's just this is actually breaking me because obviously you know I was I was I was aware of it in that way that you know something but you're not conscious of it but you just said it there that the amendment about making it that you couldn't deploy these orders against children how that's been struck down so if this passes then theoretically it's possible they could order the rape of a child well not quite in that way it means it they mean it the other way around uh, is that if there are no further amendments and if the bill goes through as it stands I'm not sure they could rape children, but what they could definitely do is instruct a child to kill someone. Oh, that makes it better. Yeah, wait. All right, okay, yeah, that's fine. That's, that's, that's so much better. That's great. Fucking child James Bond. Hey, kid, hey, would you like to be like that cool James Bond Jr.? I mean, that's a blast from the past, right? I don't know, what the fuck is that? Watch this cartoon. Oh, yeah, that looks kind of cool. Great, come along. Here is your gun. Your target is there. Yeah. Like, Jesus fucking Christ. Isn't this, I mean, isn't this just ISIS shit? Yeah, pretty much. Yes, <laughs> yes, it absolutely is. It's 100% this shit, right? It's, 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 it's the very definition of, look at those fucking barbarians. We need to do a military intervention there. But when we do it at home, it's like, oh, well, it's pragmatic, necessary steps that would never be abused by the security services. It's just dressed up in the fucking, the totems of, air quotes, democracy and legitimacy. But I think you'll find they debated about it very civilly in the chamber. This house believed that it was right to have laws that allow the cops to arm kids. Yeah, so in I won't say in defense of the government, but the government's position, and just so you know what the next step of this thing is going to be, they've said, don't worry, because in this bill, there are the, the big safeguard is that they are not allowed to do any of the things that are forbidden in the Human Rights Act which, if you remember from previous podcasts, is one of the other things that the Tories are definitely gunning for to gut, remove, and take care of because it has a lot of bugbears such as, you know, human rights and all of that. So that's the government's defense. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, like like James says, they debated it in the chamber, so, you know, may, mayhaps you have ad, like caused, committed an ad hominem by referring to them as child soldiers. <laughs> And then my fucking bow tie just starts spinning. The lion is still being held in its cell by this, uh, you know, little kind of branch of sugarcane that we've jammed in the lock. 
and pay no attention to a man holding the giant vat of ants nearby. Don't worry about that. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. That's my uh, that's my you know Friedman analogy for the episode. No. Right, and I just I just want to say before we move off that the way you introduce that is we're ruled by monsters. At this point, it'd be better if we were ruled by literal monsters, you know, like a Dracula for Prime Minister or something like that. Yeah. Do you know, I'm actually at the point where genuinely, if like it turned out David Icke was right and there are lizard people, but they've not been ruling us, and they came in and they said, look, guys, we're going to rule you. But, you know, on one hand, yes, we're going to be like indiscriminately just sucking people out of the streets and draining the blood of them um, to feed us a satanic kind of cults kind of thing. On one hand, we're going to be doing that. But on the other hand, we will be doing it totally at random. It will be rich and poor alike who get hit by it. And also, we'll manage your society in vaguely functional terms. That would be a net positive. Yeah, that's unironically more just than the system that yeah, we've got Yeah, but it wouldn't, moment, it wouldn't you know? last, though, because the rich would just, like, corner the market and hot flat rocks or some shit and then, like, make a deal with the lizard <laughs> <Did> people. <laughs> right. I want to move us on because I think it's been um, a heavy couple of episodes. We've done no. Let's let's keep talking about the fucking like you know lizard man conspiracy by David Icke. I'm sure that's like not not absolute poison uh, to the listeners. Jamie, I, I <laughs> yeah, we Jamie, fin- we finished our little safari through the worst of the worst that's happened this I, week. I I don't even want to. You, you do have genuine prophetic powers because the story I'm about to tell you does involve lizard people. <laughs> Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Sorry. Excuse me, I'm sitting up now. What? Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I, I said last time this happened, I'm just fucking sick of, like, every outlandish fucking thing I say. Like, being, what? And then just like, oh, well, actually, that just, that brings me, you know what I mean? I say that, like, fucking pirates, pirates from the future are descending on airships to, like, ransack Kent, and everyone's just like, well, actually, now that you mention it, <laughs> The Sky Corsairs have been active lately. Sorry, go on. Oh, for very well. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Get ourselves some snacks. 